0: Without doing the running, my head would be dancing between four or five things at once. So it's, yeah, making sure that you're putting your effort into the,
1: into the right things is, is definitely where running will help. Hello and welcome to Run the Business, the podcast that explores the place where running and leadership come together. We'll find out how running can help us with leading, managing people and generally being better in business. We'll also try and answer that question, do runners make better leaders? I'm Anthony Gay, and today we're going to talk about sustainability in running and in business. If you're a runner, I'm sure you've been given a fair share of t-shirts over the years. But did you ever wear them much? I'm joined by someone who works with race and event organisers to give runners the option of planting a tree rather than getting a t-shirt at the end of a race. A keen runner himself, his day job as Senior Partnerships Manager across the Future Forest Company and their sister company, Trees Not Teas. Jamie Berry, welcome to Run the Business. Hello. How are you today, Jamie? I'm very good, thank you. And how about you? Yeah, feeling good. Spring is not quite in the air, but it's, uh, it's, it's a good time of year. And tell us whereabouts you are in the world to begin with. I'm in a town called Retford, which is in North Nottinghamshire. We're on the uh, East Coast mainline here and about an hour and a half
0: away from King's Cross, uh, which is why we moved here in a world where nobody commutes to the office anymore. And I was going
1: to ask you one of the first questions on Run the Business is, when did you last go running? I know you've been uh, suffering from long COVID in 2022, so it's, it's knocked you back a bit, hasn't it? It certainly set me back. There was a period where,
0: I just wasn't running uh, and I could feel the effects of that but knowing you were going to probably ask that question I did make, take myself out for a little 10k run yesterday uh up Redford's one hill it's quite a uh, quite a flat place around here lots of uh, lots of farmland but I took myself out for a little sort of 10k afternoon
1: jog knowing full well that I'd be asked when the last time I was going to be running was today that is commitment which I which I genuinely appreciate that people coming on this podcast actually Go out running knowing that they're going to be asked that question. Thank you for doing that. I appreciate it. No worries. And, and in all seriousness, in terms of the effects, is it something which um, you're sort of still dealing with? I mean, how, how did it, how, how did you sort of cope with it? For a man
0: who works in, a, uh, in an office at the end of his garden and doesn't socialize as much as he used to, uh, I've had COVID four times. The last time was the one with the least amount of symptoms whilst having it. But the knock-on effects and the, yeah, the, the sort of lack of fitness, the, the changes to my breathing were really, I won't say severe, uh, no, no point of hospitalization, but certainly I was running the same distance as months later, but with a heart rate, much higher body, just not feeling like it was. I came into 2022 Marathon Fit. We was training for the impact marathon that we held on our Glenara site on the Isle of Mull. I did a, a lapped event around Sherwood Pines with the, with the guys at Rasselbach prior to that. And I ran marathon distance. I, I'll claim I did two half marathons in that day because I went and got changed and had a load of food between the second one. And yeah, I was, was sort of going up to Mold, uh, super fit, knowing I was going to be hitting hills and, and terrain that I'm not used to. We had a uh, a slight company get-together before the trip over to Malt, and unfortunately, that proved to be quite the spreader event, which was not the uh, not the intention, certainly. And by the time the Impact Marathon came around, I only felt uh, fit enough to sort of take on the half distance. It was a bit sort of disappointing having put all that training in, and then two days later, so traveled back the next day. Woke up the morning after feeling terrible, took a test, positive for COVID. Since then, it's been a very long road back to gain. And if in like the fitness, I did two weekends ago, complete the uh, round Sheffield winter run, which is about 21K, but it's split up into nice little sort of splits. So uh, you get sort of some walking and some, uh, some recovery in between. And that's the biggest run that I have done since the half marathon
1: that I did up on Malt. So it's about taking time just to get back into, into your fitness and, and build your health back up.
0: Yeah, definitely. It, it's, it's taught me a lesson. I mean, mainly when I was at the, uh, the, the Russellback event in Sherwood Pines, I probably could have ran a few more laps and, and claimed ultra distance for the first time. I didn't, trying to save myself for, for the Mull event. And then by the time the Mull event came, I wasn't fit and I wouldn't be for a long time. So there was a bit of a missed opportunity there certainly taught me to take a good run when you can, make the most of when you are feeling it and
1: yeah, learn to forgive yourself when you're not, I guess. We've got so much to cover uh, and I'm so fascinated by even some of the things that you just touched upon there. To begin with, tell us a little bit about the work of the Future Forest Company uh, where you work and also Trees Not Teas as well, to, just to set things up. So the Future Forest Company
0: is uh, a impact for profit. Our... North Star as a company is the planting of trees and the restoration and protection of biodiversity within the UK. We have a much lower woodland cover than even other countries across Europe do. Generally it's about 33% across Europe, we're at about 17 and more worrying than that, the rate of biodiversity biodiversity loss in the UK is quite frightening. If you, if you look into it, like uh, quite a few things can be these days and Basically, the work that we do, we work with with companies to sponsor trees being planted that will sequester carbon. We're restoring peatland uh, on our on our North Yorkshire site in Swathgill, which is a carbon sink and helps to reduce carbon being emitted into the atmosphere. And we're also, yeah, protecting wildlife and biodiversity with the with the work that we're completing across our uh, our eleven sites.
1: So the work you're doing is. Let's not underestimate it. It's hugely important. It's it's amazing stuff. Why is the UK in a worse place than other countries in Europe? I, to be honest, I
0: can't answer how we got here. I guess lack of regulation and protection of lands that needs to be. Obviously, it's in the news quite a lot that we are, uh, or at least the narrative of the news is that we are over capacity of sort of people living here and the infrastructure we have. And, you know, lots of things industry being built houses being built on land that it shouldn't and perhaps shouldn't have is a big reason why that's there and yeah I can't answer how we got here I can just uh, I can just look around and see you go into areas of uh, you know national parks and beautiful places and you see these sort of brown, degraded sort of landscapes, and whilst the uh, I think the t- living in the flatest place on the in the world, as I as I often call Rutherford, going to these places, they look beautiful. But if you if you actually take a deeper sort of dive, lots of that land is in bad health. So I think more than anything, not taking care of what we do have is a, a bigger part of the uh, of the wider picture.
1: And. For anybody who doesn't, and and I would hope everybody listening to this has some sort of grasp of as to why trees are important and why protecting um, that the peatland is important. But can you can you summarise just so we kind of have the same context here? What it is that those you know the the trees give to the environment? Can you can you? You know, can you can you describe that in in simple terms?
0: Yeah, certainly. I mean, uh, luckily for the simple terms part, there I'm I'm not the you know I'm not our, our ecologists or our, our sort of forestry managers, but trees themselves obviously draw down carbon from the atmosphere and release oxygen, which is uh, you know obviously a good thing. The the trees were planted in a UK native sort of broadleaf species, so that with it doesn't bring any complications that you can get with sort of disease from growing non-native sort of monoculture forests, which do lock down lots of carbon, but don't do it in the right way for the land. But trees themselves will not just, you know, draw down oxygen. They will prevent flooding. They will add to the rest of the sort of biodiversity, mix their, their seeds, feed animals. It, the this sort of list
1: of benefits go on and on. And how did your company become connected with running? What's the link there? So our...
0: Founder and CEO, Jim Mann, is a fairly uh, prolific runner himself, Dragon's Back winner, trail record breaker. So he firsthand can see how many times he's finished a race. And to be honest, the races he finishes, I'd probably take a T-shirt from. If you ran run the length of Wales, I think a T-shirt's the least you can expect. But yeah, he's seen firsthand the waste within within that industry you sign up for a race you get asked what size t-shirt you want you don't get asked if you want a t-shirt you pass the line you get handed some of the bigger events you get handed a plastic bag full of full of food you're probably not going to eat full of flyers for races you're probably not going to uh, you're not going to enter and this was just a way of yeah more than anything giving people the choice if you want to run the london marathon that's a great thing if you want to wear your london marathon t-shirt that's fine we're not against running t-shirts Against the ones that people don't want, the peoples
1: don't wear, and that will end up going back into landfill. And how do you engage race directors and leaders in the running business to to, to take part in this? What's your approach? I mean, there's there's freefall obviously at the
0: at the beginning of trees not teased. There's a lot of outreach just through the usual email, social media. I think what we have and what we have done really well is engaged with our audience. We have a great sort of, I don't want to call them fan base, but a great family of runners who will always pick trees not tees. and will go to the race directors at the race and say, "Hey, you should try this." So, for a, a you know a small part of a, uh, of a of a quite lean business that has a two thousand hectare land portfolio, that has been crucial. That. The the friends, fans, and ambassadors of of tree's not Tees have sort of taken that issue to them, much like the rest of the uh, you know the climate movement in general.
1: And am I right in thinking it's it's not just the running industry? You you work with uh, all sorts of companies uh, beyond running. Yes, and
0: that's a big focus for twenty twenty three. And my 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 past life uh, before I had my sort of climate turnaround, I worked within the events industry in in, in various guises. I used to fly around the world every fortnight, go somewhere, build something, watch that thing as much as you would instruct them not to be thrown in a skip afterwards. Uh, And I saw the waste around that kind of corporate exhibitions and conferencing sector. Uh, Again, you, you turn up to these exhibitions, you go to an exhibition stand and people are trying to give you a piece of merchandise, plastic tap with their logo printed on it. And that was what sort of Made trees not tea stand out for me when I when I'd signed up for a race. I noticed the trees not teas option, and I thought that would be amazing for this industry because there is so much waste. And yeah, we've worked with the likes of Brighton SEO uh, and, and, and many other events to
1: offer a yeah a, a climate positive piece of merchandise. So anybody listening to this who works in business in a company and has some influence over the outreach of, the, of that business whether it be at events or as you say the, the free stuff, the tat that um, seemed like a good idea at the time to make and get given out. so anybody can can take part in what you're describing and, and anybody in a business that is uh, influential in this space should be thinking if they're not already about what you're describing here shouldn't they? Yes, they should I mean from the from the future forest
0: company sort of angle and brand we can work with we can work with businesses across the board. Uh, trees not teas is these that sort of specifically event focused um uh, i mean again the the, the worst thing is to see you go to an exhibition and people are trying to give you a stress ball with the logo on and i just wonder like the the mental thought process of that like am, am i going to need this working with your company but more than anything with that there's so much waste in that alone and similar to the race teas they will be overordered if you're anticipating speaking to five thousand people over an event you'll order eight thousand, so you're not left short those 3,000, they either end up in a skiff on site, they get dragged back to the office, they go in a cupboard, they're never seen again. The company has a new logo, they're no good, they go in landfill. So the great thing with Trees Not Tees and the Future Forest Company in that matter is it is a tree, say if it's a tree per person who enters the race and selects it, not only is it a tree for every person, but the, the event organizer is only paying for that one tree. They're not having to estimate you know, 8,000 and only giving away five. So it allows to cut out waste in both monetary terms and in, uh, uh, you know, in physical.
1: And I hope this space is becoming more relevant to people, more on people's radar now than it's ever been before. It certainly seems for me personally that, you know, what you're describing, sustainability across the last year seems to be higher up people's agendas, which is a fantastic thing. And so I, I, maybe it's, you know... Partly, you know, the what you're doing and, and, and other people doing similar things at the same time. I mean, that scenario that you describe of the office with the cupboard, with, the, with all the stuff that doesn't get used, that just stays there. I, I've seen that so many times over the years and, and just thinking about it then how many businesses must have those uh, stuffed cupboards where it's just things that seem like a good idea at the time that never get used, never get handed out and end up in a skip. Yeah, merchandise graveyards. Yeah, just
0: uh, at the back of the office, filling up space that could have something useful in it as well. So yeah, it's it's it's, it's I guess as a Yorkshireman, waste is a uh, a pet peeve of mine. Paying for things that
1: aren't used, and certainly uh, we can help that and also give something climate positive. How do you ensure that a tree is planted for every individual? Because I do obviously not not in the UK, but I've heard you know schemes, things that have happened around the world where it's not quite as people are led to believe how do you ensure that if somebody signs up a tree is planted for them what i loved when i dug deeper into the role here with the future forest company we own all the
0: sites that we plant on so we are the people doing the planting we're not sort of you know almost an agency passing that burden on we take a picture of every tree that is planted, we're able to, with the tree certificates, give a picture, a species, and a what three words geolocation so that you can see on a map where your tree is planted. The bulk of our planting is in Scotland with one site in, uh, in North Yorkshire that will be planted later. But all those sites in Scotland are right to roam. So not only can we show you a picture of the tree we planted for you and where it is, you can go and find it. And that accountability, I think, as you say, is important because there is probably some skepticism. I even had a uh, a message in my running WhatsApp group from one of my friends just yesterday saying, I'm always skeptical mm. if these trees get planted, which is so funny when he knows how to work there. <laughs> but uh, yeah, equally, I guess it is a concern for people. They want to know that what they're paying for, what they're choosing to do actually happens. And, and I'm so glad that we can prove that, both with that initial accountability and the updates we give from our sites. The amount of sort of uh, videography and, and, and photography that we take to show the difference that we're making is going to become apparent over the next five years. But in that initial transaction,
1: we can show you the tree that you've sponsored. So, if anybody is uh, listening to this elsewhere in the world uh, and they come across the schemes, it's really important that they they, they dig into it, isn't it? Because there's a bit of instant gratification of paying whatever or or ticking a box to to plant a tree, but actually following up on that and and making sure it's legitimate uh, is is really important
0: yeah the more accountability that that company can give you yeah i mean we're, we're for example we're externally regulated with what we do by the woodland carbon code and various other sort of scottish forestry so we have to do what we say we do that's a external sort of pressure on us but not all schemes like this are registered under those sort of governing bodies uh, and yeah just check just ask the question, how are you externally regulated? More than anything, ask what they are planting or how they're going about it. Because whilst planting a lot of non-native citrus trees, will, they'll grow quick. They will take carbon out of the atmosphere, but they are horrific for that whole he- ecological mix. So yeah, make sure
1: they're doing it in the first place and then make sure they're doing it in the right way would be my advice. You mentioned the mull event and... I think I'm right in saying that Anna, the producer of this podcast, actually went up and planted a tree and, and there was a, a run connected. You, I think you mentioned it earlier on in our conversation. Tell us a, a little bit about that event.
0: Yeah, uh, as, as mentioned, that was meant to be my first marathon, which I thought would be really cool, being trees, not teas related. The absolutely beautiful Isle of Mole and the fantastic at our site that we have there yeah so basically teaming up with impact marathon we had a sort of three-day event one of the days on the saturday which was absolutely driving rain classic mold the weather can change you have four seasons in a day absolute driving rain we had people doing sort of cycles of a few different activities we had ken our uh, sort of agroforestry lead taking people around the site and showing them how we restore that graded farmland in natural ways and, and giving people advice on how to buy food ethically because it's not always like anything. What you see on the tin isn't always what you get. We had people off with Quinn McKenzie, our uh, operations manager, planting trees, and that was certainly a wholesome part. But I think the one bit that the the runners loved the most, uh, and again, I can't I cannot stress the driving rain and you're out in the elements all day, was the removal of of, of non-native and invasive species. So we uh, we marched them up the top of the hill with our ecologist Lindsay. Uh, and they were removing rhododendra, which are a, a sort of terrible things for the rest of the site because they will just, they're low growing, nothing will grow under or around them. Uh, and people were basically on the hill removing non native species and invasive species with hacksaws. And I had to actually run up the hill and drag these people back for their sort of changeover. And there was a clear sort of, I, I'd say like a green bloodlust in their eyes of, I've been told this is bad and I want to remove this. And that was certainly a, uh, a really great day for us we also had in one of the barns there a sort of education pieces and lots of videos about what we do why we do it and exactly why people were on a hill removing some some plants and some species which would probably to the layman seem a you know a bad thing to be doing but it's absolutely the best thing for that land and uh, that was an amazing day and then luckily the weather breaks for the uh, for the marathon on the sunday And yeah, the Island Mall is just a beautiful place. The route took in some of the best parts of it and the marathon runners, which I think Anna was a part of, uh, I'm certainly jealous that she got to do that route, Uh, headed up Ben Benmore and got an even better view of of the site than than I've even had. But it was a truly sort of fantastic event. It's something that
1: will live long in the memory for the people who came. We know the running community is strong and when people get together for races, there's a great camaraderie and spirit about it. But what you've just described sounds like it's just on another level, the, the idea of not just going running, not just doing a marathon, but actually a purpose in that, which is, uh, you know, on a, as I say, on another level to some of the reasons why we go running. Sounds fantastic. Yes, yeah,
0: certainly. There was, I, I mean, the way the, the way the race was run, there was no real like timing. Uh, I think the first three people back from each sort of race were sort of given a, a rough time. But it was certainly not a elbowing the guy next to you out the way so that you can uh, get in front of them for the corner. Some of the track, even in the first sort of few kilometres, you're, you're 300 metres elevated, then you're going through woodlands, and it was tree stump paradise. If you if you enjoy those runs where you cannot look at anything other than the floor in front of you, but then you, you take a second to just take in what's around you, and and, and just the, the the
1: the majesty of mole was there for all to see. Fantastic. This podcast is all about how uh, running might help people in business and leadership. And I think what you've described so far is a great lesson and, and something that already I think people can take away. But how does running help you be better as uh, a, you know, a manager, a leader, a, a communicator in your business? What, what's, what's your relationship with running? As my running has sort of evolved, uh, it's something that I sort of picked up in my early
0: 30s and I'm 36 now at first it sort of just gave me a nice bit of like physical fitness and endurance, I guess, for, you know, those long days, those times you need to push through those long meetings that you wished finished half an hour ago and that sort of thing. But I think for me now at the stage I am, it's teaching that adaptability. I was just talking about dodging the tree stumps there. It's a, it's, a, it's a great analogy. If you can have your, your head in the moment and, and fully concentrate and commit to the task in hand and not the four other tasks that 10 other emails waiting for you, et cetera. And just that mental clarity, giving yourself that time, take some space, sort of compartmentalize all the problems you've got in front of you, all the opportunities and everything in between. And I find when I wasn't running towards the end of last year, there was certainly a, uh, I guess like a spiral of decline in terms of physical health, mental health, work sort of health taken away and just giving yourself that time to, get away from the desk, take in some nature, get your heart rate going, and yeah, sort of gradually pick away at all of the, uh, all of the things in your day. I, f- I found it so, uh, it's just so liberating really when you do have, you know, you have stress, you have, uh, you have plenty of stress these days and you can't seem to get away from it because of the amount of screens you have in front of you. So just to be able to take that time Give your eyes a rest. Give your brain a rest. You then find that you're, uh, you know, you're curing most of the problems that if if you had sat at your desk the rest of the day, you wouldn't have solved
1: anyway. So that's where I think running helps within business. You said you you kind of I think you said you did, but did you notice your performance and and your energy change when when you weren't running? I've always been blessed with high levels of energy. I was that kid who couldn't sit still.
0: I played every sport and I would run from playing one sport to run around to my friends and try and make them play another one after we'd finished that. I've always been blessed with energy. It's the focusing of that energy, almost the uh, the way you use it. You can, you can sometimes, uh, and, and w- I mean, I'm guilty of it a lot more than I wish I would, but you can put a lot of energy in and get nowhere. And I think the main thing I noticed when not running was the time that I would spend to do tasks was taking longer than when I was in heat condition and both physically and mentally.
1: So that's interesting. So, so actually it was uh, like a focus thing uh, that running gave you honed that ability to focus and and deliver something. And when you weren't running uh, it was, it was harder to keep that focus, to maintain that, that commitment. Yeah, definitely. With those with those high levels of energy
0: comes high levels of being very excitable. I could get myself very much carried away with something that sounds really cool or like a uh, you know a potential partnership that could have an amazing impact. Uh, but without doing the running, my head would be uh, dancing between you know four or five things at once. And just the the run I mentioned yesterday, I took the afternoon. Um, sort of blessed to uh, to have been able to do that. Took the afternoon, went for my run. Uh, Came back, got myself sorted, ate some food, and then I I I did sort of my afternoons work during the evening. And yeah, the productivity levels uh, of of what I was able to produce yesterday afternoon would would have been far beyond what I would have been able to do stood at my desk uh, the rest of the afternoon. So it's yeah, making sure that you're putting your effort into the into the right things is, is definitely
1: where running will uh, will help it's a story that we get so many times uh, on this podcast and talking to people is it something that clears your head when you run or, do, or when you go out um do you sort of take some of these challenges and things with you and, and process them actively or do the answer for you do the answers just sort of pop up uh, as, as you as you go on I don't purposefully set
0: off out on a run with, uh, you know, I'm going to cure these four tasks. I've generally got a podcast or an audio book on, trying to take my mind out of it enough so it can just sort of dip back in, if that makes sense.
1: Complete sense.
0: Yeah, I do find that I'm I'm wording emails as I'm running uh, that make more sense than when I'm sat in front of the email itself. Again, those other sort of overarching goals, those wider problems, those things that have been on the back burner for a little while. Because you're sat sort of blinded by information in front of the screen, I think once you're out in the you're out in the open and the fresh air, uh, your your brain's much better, like, fixed to uh, sort of complete these tasks. And yeah, I, I I find that it's so productive. I can see now as well in 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 companies past with you know is inspirational leaders with with great ideas, and they then start failing. I, I, I kind of wish like. Today, Jamie could go back and just buy them some running shoes and tell them to go for a run. It certainly would have made earlier parts of my career much more enjoyable in the in the in the moment because, yeah, it it's certainly where you can get frustrated or you can get stuck on a problem. Uh, I think as soon as you're outside, like three or four of them just fall in a row, and then you're able to come back, get in front of the uh, get in front of the computer again on the phone, whatever, and uh, and, and sort them
1: out much more efficiently. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For me it, it's at both ends of the scale it's the minutiae of you know a structure of words on a particular strap line or positioning statement that we you know we might be working on or at the other end it's a it's a much bigger picture strategic thing. I mean both um both things can benefit you know when when personally for me when I'm out there running it's an interesting thing you mentioned there about um you know going back to a Jamie of 10 15 years ago. One thing that is on my mind is, do you need the years? Do you need time, age, in order to appreciate that? Because I do, and, and maybe we need to speak to more people who are just getting into running on this podcast, uh, who are maybe just leaving university or, or or whatever, just to try and get a perspective of where it sits in, in their lives. Because I do think as you get older, that appreciation of it uh, can grow, but I'm not sure you can fast track it, uh, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, equally, each each person has to go on on that journey. And when they start running or when they pick running back up, uh, as I mentioned, I was always sort of a really thick kid. And then by sort of uh, early to, to mid-20s, that kind of died off. I think I'd start smoking stupidly at that point for somebody who like had, had studied human biology at A-level and was thinking about going into being like a PE teacher, being, a, uh, yeah, being, being somebody who was then um, smoking, drinking, eating, and not doing any of the exercise it had detrimental effects on on my mental health. And I, I claim to have had a very early midlife crisis. Uh, I then turned around on the sort of personal and the relationship front, but then the, the career sort of came with it. And uh, I mean, without those years, I wouldn't have been on uh, that personal journey that made me who like I am today. But equally, I feel like if I'd have just carried on with, with, with the sport, the physical fitness and the exercise in those, in, in those sort of fallow years, uh, it'd have been again. It'd have been a lot less easier for, uh, for for the person stood in
1: front of you today. We've already talked about some fantastic runs that you've done and events that you're involved with. Are there any other runs, races that stick out in your mind as amazing experiences in your life that you can you can share with us and tell us a bit about?
0: Yeah, there's a there's there's a few from a from a running sense. 2018 was the first sort of competitive run I'd done. I'd been on the sort of uh, total warrior things with like work colleagues and, and done part runs and, and been running to gain fitness back after a, a, a knee operation at 27. But in 2018, I I, uh, I shouldn't really admit this out loud, I took a friend's place in, in one of the races in Sheffield, the Sheffield 10-10-10. And that was my first competitive against other people, against the clock run. And that one from a running perspective, absolutely changed everything because I didn't think I'd like competing because I wasn't good at it, and I'd always tried to be the best at things I was competing at. And weirdly, I just came away with a desire to improve myself in in terms of a run that has changed things on a I, I guess a career basis. During the uh, as I mentioned, I was I was working in the events industry previous to this, and during the during the lockdowns and COVID, I was I was sort of really pushing myself to explore the local trails here and and getting out and about. And there was a run where I was I just come around a corner on a road I wouldn't normally run on because it's a 60 road, it's tree lined, so it's beautiful, but that leads to, you know, cars coming around the corner and and, and giving you a little kiss that you don't need. So it's not somewhere I would have normally ran. And there was two deers just walking around as if they owned the place. This was only weeks into the first lockdown. And if anything, that was my kind of climate turnaround, my, my sort of ecology turnaround, if you like. And that was what made me realize I couldn't keep doing what I'd been doing previously, going on flights twice a week, building things that were uh, that, that were being destroyed for the good of a uh, business's sort of trajectory. And that one really sticks out. I, I can I can I can think back to that moment, close my eyes, and yeah, I, I'm I'm back there. And that one was,
1: yeah, the the sort of start of a uh, a different journey for me career wise. That sounds amazing. Uh, thanks for sharing that. Uh, we always talk about inspiration and leadership and inspiration in running. And I guess in the company that you're working in, you get both from, from the people that have led the business uh, over the years. T- to break those two questions apart, if we can, from a leadership perspective and a business perspective, who, who do you look up to? Well, I have to, I've already mentioned, I have to mention uh, Jim Mann for
0: the yeah, amazing feats that he's achieved both business and in running. Going externally and outside of the business, I'd say somebody in his a previous sort of podcast guest would be would be Mike Sieben of Raccoon Media or the you know the national running show. As he mentioned in the podcast, but but known to me previously, he's taken his hobby and turned it into his career. And not only that, he's he's then doing it in the right way. And what he's doing is for the betterment of that running industry for that hobby. It's not just that he's monetized what he enjoys, it's that. He's making the industry better. He's bringing people together, engaging them, and entertaining them, and inspiring them with the you know with the speakers he has, with the with the things that happen at the show. And uh, yeah, that'd be one that definitely uh, definitely sticks out to me as a business leader who is who inspires. And in the world of running, in the world of running, I mean, given given the the day we're recording this, coming after Damian Hall's spine race victory. He is a Trees Not teas ambassador, uh, founder of the Green Runners, uh, friend and sometimes coach of, of CEO Jim Mann, and yeah, extinction rebellion activist. He fits things into uh, his week and his days that I have no idea how he has the endurance for. You know, particularly winning the spine race, as I mentioned. But yeah, his books are inspiring, and yeah, he's he's very much using that platform that he has to make a difference and, and has to be the, the the name at the top of the list, given the week that we're recording this.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, why is everybody in running so nice? What is it about the that community that uh, just brings the best out in people? What I mean, and that's a serious question. What, what's your take on that? I was, I mean,
0: jokingly, I was just going to say, my, my running WhatsApp group is called the Angry Runners. <laughs> uh, and there's a few of us that, my, my friend John, especially, that I run with quite a lot, can get quite elbowy when he's, uh, when he's when he's coming round a corner with somebody in his way, but equally, he's one of the nicest people you could ever wish to meet. I think it is that sort of mental clarity that comes from it. That time spent outside, it just makes you a better person. Whether you're, you know, I'm, I'm sort of blessed where I am, I can walk down the Chesterville Canal every morning and walk the dog. So those days I'm not getting the run, I get the bit of nature. I get that time away from a screen. I get an hour of just the sunrise and the birds chirping. And I do think that time outside helps also that mental resilience that comes especially when you're getting up to you know talking of Damien and Jim they're like ultra trail runners running three-day events uh, and, and you know absolutely smashing them as well which is annoying uh, especially with Jim and how modest he is about everything but I think there's a there's a mental resilience where if you can run for three days through the night uh, you're not going to get so stressed out about you know real life Somebody cutting you up in the car, somebody sending you a badly worded email. I think yeah, there's there's something to do with the nature aspect and also the endurance, the mental strength
1: and resilience that it brings. And we do talk about the transfers from running in, into business. Um, you know, both the you know the metaphors, but also the actual uh, you know physical and and um, mental benefits. And what you just described there about endurance and and stamina, these are traits that. You know we don't wanna be in business and, and be in sort of close to burnout all the time, but there are points where you've gotta push ahead and you've gotta you, you know you've gotta work hard for a sustained period of time, and that approach to running that you've just described can only be positive if, if when you get those busy periods in business so yeah, I think that's uh
0: That sort of endurance and mental resilience built up and running really helped last year when due to restructuring, the future forest company separated from what now is a not even sister company, friendly company called Undo, focused much more on the heavy sort of permanent carbon removal. Going from a team of sort of 70, we would cut down on the future forest side to a team of 15 with a 2000 hectare land portfolio. So certainly the ratios there were were sort of slightly off. And there was just a, a point where the work just needed doing. And there was possibly less people than needed to be there. And I certainly think the the hours put in and the way those hours were used would have been completely different had I not had that sort of, uh, yeah, that mental resilience and endurance sort of traits that I built up trying to expand by running.
1: It feels like the work that you're doing, that we've talked about the relationship and, and the connection with running, but it feels like the running community is so well-placed to be a champion in this space because of all the things we've talked about about you know running getting you out there back to nature appreciating the world we're in and the natural world much more it really sets runners and the running community up to to lead the charge in this space doesn't it
0: yeah it does it's it's interesting with any with any race that we work with we see between sort of Twenty and forty percent take up on trees, not tees, which is amazing. Uh, you know, a year or two out of the uh, the traps with it, but there's a definite higher percentage of pickup on the trail races, the fell running, uh, the out in nature types. The road races are, are, are the ones that sort of take that ratio down towards that that twenty percent. So that's such an interesting thing to be able to see in front of you. We need to work on some of those some of those road runners to uh, be less bothered about their t-shirt and and more interested in in planting a tree. But yeah, that running and people who spend time outside are just so well-focused because I think they can see it. You can see where something's been deforested locally. You can see the sort of greenfield sites being built on while while sort of brownfields are are, are sort of left and and, and not cared for properly. And if you're spending more time outdoors, you're just going to notice the difference. Equally, if you're having 40 degree days in the middle of summer when you want to be going running, you're also going to notice that as well. So uh, I think, yeah, runners are definitely well placed to help with, uh, with the climate crisis and with the biodiversity loss that we're facing here in the UK.
1: What can people do local to where they are? If, if they're listening to this podcast, what's an, an action that people can take in their local community, their local area, to, to try and understand, to, to to be active in the way that you describe is, is there any advice that you you can give on, on that front? Yeah, I mean, obviously there's the usual things you
0: can do from behind a desk or behind a phone and, and, and lobby your local council to, you know, protect the cutting down of trees in, uh, you know, whether that's the ones that are lining streets or, or ones that are going to be taken for other purposes uh, that I've already mentioned. I think getting out there, and just seeing it and being a part of it is the first thing that they can do. Really, though, just appreciating the nature that we're hoping to not lose with the work that we're doing, but certainly is happening. And yeah, just becoming a little bit more. There's obviously even in even in urban urban areas, there's there's reforestation projects, there's community gardens and things like that. So just go, help out, get your hands dirty, and then uh, yeah, hopefully the the future forest company and trees not teas can grow to a certain size that we're having the amazing impact we want to, and that will mean we can take some of these lovely people on as employees and and they can help uh, in a uh, first-hand sort of way, like
1: like the guys here at Future Forest Company and Trees Not Seas. Running aside, can you name a, a business tool, an app, a person maybe, something you couldn't do without? I think the... The only answer I can give for this is the CRM that we use, which
0: is Pipedrive, mainly because this is the third company I've used it in and the second I've been system and implementing it. Going back to that focus element earlier, it is such a clean and easy visual experience, which enables you to log. You know all your client activity. It has such great integration, so that when I'm sending out contracts, if I populate certain fields, it's already you know all the information slots in there, and I don't have to take that time to uh, painstakingly create each one lovingly. Hopefully, my clients that have signed contracts aren't uh, disappointed to hear that theirs were automated. I'm sure they're not. And more than anything, the uh, the customer service that you receive from them. I think they're based over in Portugal, but as soon as you email with like a query. They've sent you free emails back in half an hour and they really, they just seem like they really want to fix and help you and make their product better in that process.
1: So yeah, that's the one business tool that I insist on not living without. That's a great tip. Thank you for that one. And business aside, uh, what's your favorite bit of running kit um, or accessory that you can't do without? So I think it's probably a long-winded answer to come in here, but the best bit
0: of kit as in a physical bit I ever bought was I bought a pair of On Cloud Venture from the running show in 2020 that was obviously the january before it happened that i mentioned those sort of long runs during covid they kept me sane and uh safe on the trails i was running on and really helped me improve my running they sort of that helped me go to the next level having a really good pair of running shoes for the first time but in terms of kit there's two things one would be the hydration pack uh, i've got a camelback one at the minute but uh, you know anything that can carry water so that will enable you to uh, to push those distances but the the one that I can't go without, whether it's long or short, are my AfterShock headphones. I need the sort of podcast or the audio book sometimes. If I'm trying to go pace, I, I, I go with music, but they enable me to run whilst keep, they keep my head in the in the media I'm consuming. But they keep my ears on my surroundings, keep me safe around the roads, and they're really uh, they're really great for running. And if anybody who would love to run
1: with earphones but doesn't like the sort of fact that you sort of shut off i would recommend them to anyone a question that comes up when we start talking about music and listening to music is if you were on the start line of uh, you know your next race and you could have any piece of music playing that would set you off in the perfect way what would that song be or, or what kind of music would it be if you can't pick a particular song
0: yeah it's so it's so funny because when i'm running uh for myself it's a podcast to try and draw me back. I used to make the mistake of putting on really high like tempo, high volume music and and running off and doing half a kilometre and running out of breath and turning back. But if it's a race and I'm going competitive, it just has to be idols. Bristol bass, really shouty sort of punky band and yeah, yeah, at times where I feel like I'm going to give up, if my head goes back into the music, there's it's not an option. They don't allow me to stop being an option, and they've they fueled some of my PBs
1: and, and and many of the quicker races that I've run. Awesome. That's, that's, that's idols is your is your music choice. Yes. Great. Okay. Uh, final question, and I'm going to ask two bits to this because usually I, I'd ask what advice would you give to anybody in a business or leadership role, considering getting more active and taking up running? I, I want to ask you that, but I also want to finish with a thought on anybody listening to this in a business or leadership role that wants to do more for the environment and sustainability. So let's take, let's take the first question of uh, inspiring people to get active and take up running. What, what would you say to that? The, I feel like one of the main reasons or the
0: objections that people would put in front of themselves is the time. Oh, I haven't got time to do that. i'm 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 a busy business leader. I don't have the time to go out for a run. i would I would counteract that say so you absolutely haven't like you can't afford to not take that time both for yourself, your stress levels, your mental clarity, and all the things I mentioned earlier. Uh, and 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 I guess secondly, uh, having given this sort of example earlier for your employees, for your kids, for your wives, you will be a better person for going out and exercising. You'll be a better boss you'll be a better member of the family. So uh, yeah, I just think you can't afford not to be active and use that as a way to fuel yourself and your business.
1: Great advice and really well put. And the other question around people listening to this that are now curious about sustainability, hopefully there's some sustainability policy or something in their business already, but they want to do more. They want to go to the next step. What is it?
0: It's it's so funny because I, I speak to businesses big and small. The small businesses are always apologetic about how little they're doing when, you know, per capita per, per employee, they're doing a hell of a lot more in, in a lot of instances. What I what I was shocked at when I when I got here was how most of the conversations I have with big companies, big insurance companies, big banks, this is one of the first chats they're having about doing something like this. And whilst that is slightly frightening, it also means there's a huge opportunity. But I think the main reason that they don't is because they are scared of doing or saying the wrong thing. As I mentioned earlier, we, you know, we plant the right trees in the right places in the right way. Some of our sites, they're only half, like only half of the site will be forested because that is what is best for the land. We're externally regulated and we are here to sort of help people tell that story. But a lot of the time, there's, there's a term coming in called green hushing, where people are actually doing good things, but they're not shouting about it because they don't want to be held to account if that turns out to be wrong. And I would just say, as I mentioned earlier, sh- check that the people you're working with, if it's not the Future Forest company, are doing the right things in the right way, are held to account and working to sort of proven peer-reviewed methodology. And if not, ask why not. There may be a very good reason, but just make sure that. Uh, Yeah, the people you are partnering with to help facilitate this are doing what they say they will in the right way. But other than that, just reach out because a lot of what we do more than sales, I guess, in in the client-facing roles is education and we're here to help. But it can be scary, I think, for people doing something that is new to them with those kind of nuances as mentioned. I think we can just help take the pain out of the process for anybody who wants to uh, have a major impact in the UK. And, and even if they're not, we can discuss, you know, places they can go to to speak to people abroad. But yeah, just reach out and talk because there's a, there's a huge impact to be had. There's a lot of great companies out there who want to do the right thing, and, and more than anything, I think it's lack of understanding and a bit of fear of being uh, yeah, socially, socially media
1: shamed for doing the wrong thing for the right reasons. Jamie, it's been absolutely fantastic to catch up. Thank you so much. The work that you and the team are doing is amazing and uh it's been so enlightening as well to to hear the things that you've said and and just there talking around uh, about people taking action and you know it's a real shame that people fear doing the wrong thing in 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 the time that we're in so i think what you've said there is is really powerful and i wish you all the best with your continued recovery and getting back into running this year and uh, yeah, I look forward to catching up soon. Thank you so much for your time. Brilliant. Thanks for having me, on. Thanks again to Jamie Berry for being part of Run the Business this week. The work that Trees Not Teas and the Future Forest Company is doing is truly phenomenal. It's a really tangible action that makes a direct difference to the environment. And it's certainly changed my perspective on the tat that I can gather at events, both running events and business events and conferences I think the big takeaway for me from that conversation, as well as all the chats around leadership and running, is around the stuff that we gather in life. Stuff that I guess the intention is to remind us of a moment or an experience. I've just finished reading a book called 4,000 Weeks by Oliver Berkman. And one of the things that I took away from that book is about trying to be more in the moment, but without trying too hard to be in the moment, if that makes sense running is something that allows us to be present in the moment more than anything. Probably helped by the endorphins that your body creates as well when you run, but it also allows us to get closer to nature and the natural world, the rhythms and cycles of life, which I think is when you start to realise that the stuff that we gather in life, the photos, the trinkets, the mementos, we can't take them with us. They're not usually loaded with the same meaning to others as they are to us, but they're a trigger to some kind of experience or a mindset. Wouldn't it be better for everyone if we could reach that mindset without the materialism that goes with it, that collecting all the stuff incurs? Now, I'm not suggesting that we give up all our worldly goods, but just asking yourself that question, do I really need this in the moment? Does Does the world really need this? It's the reduce bit of the reduce, reuse, recycle phrase. And it's certainly something that I want to work on this year. I'm Anthony Gay, and until next time, keep running and keep chasing your goals.